Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, this gospel that we have this morning from Mark, it's, it's one of those interesting gospel passages that's, that's just kind of like all narrative and no dialogue. We don't have any words from the Lord in this gospel. So it makes it a little bit challenging, I guess, to, to reflect on and preach about. It's just kind of like, like director's notes in the script, right? It's just kind of, and this happened, and this happened, and crowds are crushing upon him, so on and so forth. So here's, here's where the, the Spirit drew me when I was reflecting on this. I want to share this. He's, this the, the, Mark says this, Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed him from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. Here is my question as I was sitting with that. Here's my question. Where did this crowd come from? Where did all these people come from? How did they hear about what he was doing? They weren't checking their Twitter feeds, right? How did they hear about all the stuff that was happening? How did they hear about where he was, what was happening? How did they get there? The only logical explanation is that people spoke and shared and gave their testimony of what it was like to be near him. And that must have been an incredible testimony. That's the only explanation. They spoke, they shared, they shared their testimony. That's what I want to talk about this morning, this idea of testimony. Because here's the deal, the Christian life is about public witness and rescue. It's about public witness and rescue. It's not a private hobby. Forces in our culture today are more and more trying to privatize and hide our expression of religion have be a freedom of worship that you get to just be in your little quiet ghetto on a Sunday morning, have your private hobby of worshiping Jesus, and then as soon as you leave the doors of your church, you put that under a bushel basket. That ain't what it is. It was always meant to invade the world. It was always meant to invade the world. It's not a private hobby. It's about public witness and rescue that flows from an encounter with the person. You know, a few years ago, so we've got this year in RCIA and Becoming Catholic, we've got 36 people. We're up to 36, if you've been keeping count. We're up to 36 now. Easter Vigil is going to be about 14 hours long. So, um, but 36 people. A few years ago, we had a woman go through RCIA. And uh, nearing the end of the whole uh, process, we'd gotten through the Easter Vigil. She had been baptized, confirmed, received for Eucharist. And it was between that and, and the final Mystagogy uh, reflection nights. But... Her and her family, they were sitting in the chapel over there. Uh, it was a very, very crowded mass. Um, we might have still had th- some pews roped off. I can't remember how long ago it was. But anyway, her and her family, they were sitting in the chapel for mass. And uh, as it so happened, she was there with her, um, her, her, her daughters, of course. And her, her youngest daughter was staring up at the image of Jesus on the wall. Because you usually sit in the church, you don't usually get a good vantage point of that when you're a little girl. But she was sitting in there looking at that image of Jesus on the wall. And she was like, Mom, who, who is that? Her mom goes, that's, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And then she was stunned by the next question that her daughter asked her. She goes, have you met him? 
And she was even more stunned by her response, which was, yes. Yes, I have. Friends, that right there, that is evangelization. I have met this person, Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. Let me tell you about him. That's it. That's it. You think about the, <clears throat> the call to evangelize that's in front of us today in the world, in the culture, in this cultural moment. It's pretty daunting. It's pretty daunting. But it's not any more daunting than it was for the first apostles 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave them at the ascension that commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was their mission. That was their mission. This ragtag small group of disciples and apostles, that was their mission. And what did they do to carry out that mission? There's a beautiful book called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. And in that book, the author, he, ref, he, he, imagine, he imagines what the first evangelization committee meeting would have sounded like, right? So the church is plagued by committees, probably from the beginning. So the first evangelization committee meeting of the 12 apostles after the ascension, their agenda to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's the agenda. Okay. And they're going through, what are our resources? Bishops. How many bishops we got? None. How many priests we got? None. Deacons? None. How many trained theologians do we have? None. Any trained apologists? None. Do we have any experts in Christianity yet? No, we don't have any. Any religious orders? Franciscans, Dominicans? No, none of them. We don't got any of them. Do we have any seminarians or seminaries? No. Are there any Christian believers out there? Uh, there's, uh, there's a few. There's a few, maybe a few hundred. Uh, any countries with Christians in them? One. Any church buildings? None. Schools or universities to rely upon? None. Any written gospels? No, don't have those yet. Do we have any money? Hardly any. Experience in foreign missions? None. Any influential contacts in high places? Next to none. Societal attitude towards us? Ignorant to hostile at best. That's what they had going for them. That's what they had going for them. So what did they have? They had their testimony. That's what they had. They had their testimony. They had their story. They had the story. They had what happened to Jesus of Nazareth, and they had what happened to them through friendship and relationship with him. That's what they had. That's what they had. In the book of Acts, we hear this. And with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. That's what they did. They spoke. They shared the story. And by sharing the story, by sharing their story, they they conquered the world, the world, the Roman Empire, the unconquerable Roman Empire. I love this line from the book of Revelation. They, the Christians, they defeated him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. We have two weapons, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Those are the two things. The defeat of the enemy comes through the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So whose job is it to evangelize? It's yours. It's yours. It is the job proper to the laity. So the prayer today must be, and the prayer every day must be, Lord, highlight for me at least one person that in some way, somehow, I can be a witness to. Highlight for me, Lord. Show me. Spotlight somebody that I can 
give my testimony to, that I can speak the name of Jesus to, that I can pray for right there on the spot. Lord, highlight at least one person somehow that I can witness to today. Wake up every day and do that. Amen.